millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. Welcome to the very first edition of Ask Hustle Share. So if you're wondering what this format is all about, basically, we thought that on certain ideas and certain topics about startup life and also the startup grind and the hustle, we need to go really deep on certain topics. And as much as we want to cover everything on Hustle Share to cover all these things that we want to talk about, we felt that the normal narrative just won't cut it. So on this type of episode, we will be going deep and going straight to the question right away. And for our pilot episode, nobody really asked me, but I felt like I want to give my two cents about a post I saw on the Startup PH group about the DLSU Freedom Wall entry 48782, where the anonymous poster actually talked about his experience creating two tech startups, which ultimately failed and what he learned. Now, what he said here basically itemizes everything that he learned and we're going to do it bullet by bullet. I'm going to read the whole transcript. So if you also want to check out the whole post yourself, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. So let me dissect this one by one. Okay, let's start. So the first thing he said was think really hard if your product or service is going to be something people will need. Most starting entrepreneurs are naive or delusional as fuck. 
she said, I know I was. Notice I put instead of want. This is because products or services that are needed will always generate revenues compared to those that are just wants. While I do agree that you shouldn't just be creating a startup about things that people want versus the things that people need, it's a slippery slope to just focus on things that people need because the things that people usually need are usually things that are harder to solve. Remember, a lot of the things that startups do is really solving a problem for their target market. Now, if you come across something that people actually need and nobody else is trying to solve it, that's great because you can actually ship your product right away and actually do the most important thing that you need to do, which is validate your product. Now, what about those things that people want? Shouldn't you be creating that? There's also nothing wrong for creating a startup that revolves about the want that people want to pay for. Ultimately, the most important metric is that you need to ask, will people pay for this? And are there enough people at scale that will pay for this product regardless if it's a want or a need. And the second thing you need to also look at is that are there a lot of people also trying to solve this problem? Ultimately, it's gonna be an issue of the blue ocean strategy. If there's too many competition trying to solve a need per se, or whether it's a want, the odds are gonna be stacked against you and it's gonna be very hard to get traction and ultimately product market fit. So I think more than just choosing a want or a need, it's not zero sum. Create a product, regardless if it's a want or a need, that people would pay for, so that you can turn your startup into a real business. Because a lot of the startups that we actually use today started out as a want that they converted into a need. So for example, Grab, nobody really wanted taxi hailing app or a ride sharing app back then. So that was a complete want that they actually conditioned people to do that inevitably through repetition and you know overcoming that chasm that you need to jump over, people eventually got used to it and there's enough people that used it at scale that inevitably it also became a need. So it's not zero sum, but create a product that would validate your idea by getting people to pay for it. Now, the next thing that he said or she said, we don't know the gender of the, pers- uh, the anonymous poster, It says that most people will say hard work is enough. This is partly true, but hard work is just the bare minimum of what it takes to succeed in the startup or business world. There are a lot of factors that have to come into play for the business to rise up. Market demand, economy, number of venture capitalists slash investors in your area, capital, etc. Now, I totally agree to this because if you're not here to hustle hard, And if you think you can just coast into creating a business, you are not going to make it. The bare minimum is hard work. That is absolutely true. And the sad truth is, it's not what's going to get you to succeed. It's a lot of combination of things in the startup land that we discuss in this podcast that will help you get where you need to be. So hustle hard, but don't feel special because that's the bare minimum (laughs) that we all need to get this done. All right, the next point that he said is that you are not Elon Musk. Wake the fuck up. I love that he actually talks like this. Sounds like me, but it's not me. And he said that this might be relatable only to some, but I used to think that if Elon Musk can do it by working 120 hours a week, I can do it too. This is absolutely false. Working 120 hours a week is a good way to burn yourself out. 
and it is not fun and it's not inspiring. It is physically and mentally exhausting. When I attempted to do it, it was arguably one of the worst experiences of my life. I only lasted three months working out like that. Elon Musk is a monster you're probably not. Wake up. Know your limits. Work smart instead of hard. You'll probably not start the next big international startup, but that's okay. Now, this is absolutely true as well because you cannot hammer yourself down. In your first attempt as a startup, if you're listening to this and you're a first-time startup founder, that's okay, actually, because you need to actually test why pushing yourself to the limits, what's your absolute breaking point. Now, that sounds so sadistic and masochistic, but here's the thing. You know, you cannot get your startup where it's supposed to be if you yourself don't know what the absolute limit of yourself would be. So if you're going to work hard 120 hours a week, that's okay, but only do that in spurts so that you know what your absolute limit is. Because at the start of your company, you're going to have to fucking do everything. By doing that, you'll also discover the most important thing in your startup journey as a leader. It is knowing your limits in the journey of self-mastery. Because as you discover your limits, then you'd know the things and the people that you need to surround yourself with in order for you to be successful on your next steps. Now, once you identify those, it's easy to identify also those resources and again, the right people you need to hire so that you can now surround yourself with them as well. Now, once you get that, then you can afford to coast, work in spurts. But the intensity, since you already know your limits, you know how hard you need to work and how smart you need to work in those spurts. And also now figure out what you need to be able to recharge and do it again. Now, yes, you might not be Elon Musk, but the thing about startups is that you have to start with a crazy ambition and work like a slave. Now, the pro tip I have here is that by working hard, you can also work smart by surrounding yourself and looking for the right mentors. A lot of those mentors have actually been on this podcast. So if you just really scroll back and see what type of role model you want to follow or emulate, a lot of them, all it needs and all you need is actually to just reach out to them. A lot of people that listen to Hustle Share actually use Hustle Share to dissect someone's journey. And what they do is they link out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and whatnot to pick someone's brain and ask them the million dollar question that I love asking is that if you were in this situation, given what I'm trying to do and you have the experience, what would you have done? Now, the key is don't expect a certain answer already in your mind when you're talking to them. You have to be open-minded and whatever you hear, simmer it down and ask yourself, can I do it like that? Or can I tweak something to make it work for me? You don't have to be the next Elon Musk but you can be the first you who can change the world with the problem that you're trying to solve and the startup that you're trying to do. Next, he also said that instead of working 120 hours a week, which is absolutely insane, work smart. If you plan ahead, make sure you have a direction of your company just as much, if not even more than the average Joe who works 120 hours a week with no direction. So like what I said earlier, you have to work smart, but again, you also need to know your limits so that when you work smart, surround yourself with the right mentors and you know your limits, then you can surround yourself with the right people that you need to get to the problem and solve it with absolute precision. Now, the next thing he said is that 
Capital is the blood of your business or startup. If you're planning to start a tech startup, think clearly how your business is going to earn money. I've seen tech founders and conventions who have this amazing revolutionary idea. But when investors ask them how they're going to make money, they looked at each other like it's the first time they've heard that question. This is a big red flag for investors. And he also goes, most people are only interested with the idea of becoming an entrepreneur and starting a company. They're not willing to go through the years of working hard, losing friends and family because of work, office politics and drama in the office, etc. Now, this is true, but you can't blame yourself if you're a first-time entrepreneur and you cannot answer this question. That's why, again, you have to be obsessed with the million-dollar question that I told you earlier. You have to find a way to get revenue because the best way to actually earn and also earn for your business and create that runway is by creating enough revenue and ultimately having good margins to create a profit. Now, in the three startups that I've been luckily able to uh, do, the first one, I was able to raise around uh, $300 plus. Second one, I got it acquired. And third one, just recently, I just raised $750,000 for Podcast Network Asia. The one thing that really helped me convince the investors to take a chance on me and extend that runway for us to be able to do is when we now have enough revenue and we have enough room for growth. And one of the main things that they look at is only a game of two things, actually. So number one is growth and revenue. And it's best when you can actually do both at the same time. Now, what he said here is absolutely correct because, you know, a lot of people just want to become entrepreneurs. You don't really become an entrepreneur until you make your first revenue. You know, ideas are cheap. Execution is gold. And, you know, at the end of the day, the ones that actually win are the ones who are heavily invested and crazy enough to pursue and pivot their way to find that repeatable and scalable business model. So if that's you, great. It's because you just are on your path and inevitably by working hard, you'll eventually get there. Next thing he said is that have a mission. If your main goal for creating a tech startup is just to earn money, no offense, but don't do it. Tech startups sometimes take years before they earn a profit. So think very deeply if this is the route you're going to take. Now, this is also where I slightly disagree with the poster because I myself, a lot of the big motivation that I wanted and the reason why I got into tech startups is because I wanted to make money. But there's a different type of money that you're looking at. Because by by creating a startup, the first thing that you encounter that's unique to tech startup is that their ability to grow fast, especially not just in the user base or you know the growth of your company, but to grow the valuation of your company. Now, if you're here for a quick flip, then yeah, it won't happen. Startups is a game of delayed gratification. But when you do get it, a lot of this, you, you won't get this type of growth and then revenue um, multiples in other industries. So here's, here's an example how that works. For example, you bootstrap your startup right now. Obviously, for the first whatever months or years, you're not going to make money. You might not even afford to pay yourself a salary. But by funneling everything to your business, the one thing that you do is you actually grow the valuation of that company. Now, you might not be able to pay yourself right away, but by listing salary owed to you, inevitably, when you get 
to a, a seed fund or a series A, the business will then be able to afford to pay that salary back to you. So yes, you can get rich as well. Then after you get to that point where you are now able to raise the valuation of the company where the, the investor jumped in, the value also of your shares typically does at least a five times multiple. So let's just say when you created the company, obviously it's worth zero. And then when somebody bought in with an angel round, put your business valuation to a million dollars, let's just say. And let's just say you still own 80% of the business at that point. That means your net worth, you and you might not be liquid, your net worth is already $800,000 because of the shares you own. And as you do that multiple, let's just say, again, someone, uh, I'm just doing simple math, sorry. But let's just say somebody invested and got another 20% at the $10 million valuation, and you still own 50% of that. What is 50% of 10 million? You do the math. So aside from the salary, the valuation, again, the, the value of your shares doubles. Now, this really matters the most in the event of an exit. So what is an exit? Obviously, the most common ones is, is an acquisition. Or if you're them lucky dudes, you can go an IPO. So whatever the worth of your shares at that time, whatever percentage you still have, then that would make you rich. Heck, the, the reason why, one of the main reasons I wanted to do this on my own, and that's why I keep doing startups also, because in other industries, even if I work as fucking hard as I'm working now, I would never get this type of growth. Never, ever, right? So, so here, uh, through this, my salary can increase to where I feel it's supposed to be because of the learning curve that I put in. The second also thing that you also need to take in consideration, again, the share, the worth of my shares doubles. And I've known that because I've also gotten a company acquired. So, and with that, I was able to achieve my, my childhood dream of buying my mom a house. So yes, you can get rich here, but only a select few can get at that. Now, if you just understand how to play the game right, and you learn uh, from other people's mistakes, then you just might have that chance as well. Now let's take our first break, and when we come back, we will dissect more what we said in the post, and again, answer some of the things that nobody really asked me. But again, this is just start, because as we come back, we'll be discussing, and I'll tell you how you can also ask Hustle Share as we continue this format. And but to talk about that more after the break. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We're still in the very first edition of Ask Hustle Share. Now, before we proceed, I just want to remind you that if you want to be part of this, I think we're going to be able to do, get this done on a weekly basis. All you need to do is send us an email. So the way you do that, if you ask us a certain topic about your startup or a certain thing that you want to get mentorship from, from me or any of the startup founders or hustlers that we've had in the show, all you need to do is send us an email. I'm going to go a little old school so that we don't have to be limited by messaging apps. Send us an email at ask at hustleshare.com and we'll do our best to feature your question. And, you know, if you want to ask a question, I'll even give you an opportunity to even ask the question from one of the startups or one of the hustlers we've had here before. So ask your question and if you want to be specific, we can ask that question to a specific hustler that you want to ask and we'll do our best to feature you and also do our best to, to pull them from whatever the fuck they're doing and uh, get them to guest on the show to talk about you know, the question that you asked. Okay? Now let's continue because he said a lot of things still on the, the DLSU. Again, Freedom Wall 48782. So the last uh, question, we, we, we already covered that. And the next thing he said is that IQ or intelligence quotient, EQ, emotional quotient are very important. But what separates a successful entrepreneur from that that fail is the AQ, which is adversity quotient. Adversity equals the pain tolerance of a person. Elon Musk himself said that, that starting a company is like eating shards of glass and staring into the abyss. It means that starting a business is painful and very, very, very difficult. Now, absolutely fucking true. You know, this is a game of survival. It is not a sprint. This is a marathon. You know, you can do things by doing it in spurts, like what I said. But if you're not here, or if you're here to not taste your own blood, then I'm sorry. The startup game is for, you know, for, for hustlers that uh, are borderline masochists because you're going to repeatedly be beaten down. But if you find ways to actually stand up again, then you're in the right game. This is, again, by numbers, I always say it, and I don't even remember how many times I've said this in the podcast already. 90% of startups fail, but the 90% are those who actually have, you know, gotten to at least a problem-solution fit. I think the numbers are worse for those who even just tried and never took the next step. So just be aware of that. But again, if you check it out, a lot of people can actually have done it, uh, can do it also, again. If they haven't done it, 
then how the hell did I have all these startup entrepreneurs and founders just on this show? You can do it as well. Now, the next thing he or she said is that survivorship bias. We only see the successful ones in the media. What we don't see is the ones who failed. Think about it. Tesla might be a successful electric car company right now. But there are other electric car companies that failed like Fisker, Faraday Future, and the others. Now, this is partly true because, again, we only celebrate the wins. But just like if you're, if you're an average, I don't know, average, avid listener of this podcast, there are a lot of those uh, winners that actually failed before too. What separates those people that makes it is that after they failed, they did not stop. They licked their wounds, you know, assessed what they learned and pushed through. That's I, I fall into that category. My first startup, six years of party file. I thought I, I learned it all. But, you know, you only get that into perspective after you stop and really look at things in a way where you can't do if you're in the trenches. But out of necessity, not because, you know, I just felt hurt. I needed to start again. And then was I able to realize the things that I wasn't able to do well and apply it right away. Hence, chatbot gauge got acquired. Now, it's true again. A lot of the successful entrepreneurs make it, but a lot of them also failed too. But the ones that we celebrate now did not stop after that failure. Okay, so if you are a startup entrepreneur, you tried and you failed, take a step back, lick your wounds, assess the whole fucking situation, and then please, please, please try again. Because this community cannot afford to have that much collateral damage of people who are most qualified to actually be successful in their next try, which are the failed startup founders. Okay, next. He said, work like failure is not an option. You might have heard the classic saying, quote, try and fail until you succeed, end quote. She said that this statement is true. However, people need to realize that business failure is expensive as hell, both financially and emotionally. Even in small business failures, entrepreneurs can lose hundreds of thousands of pesos, heck, even millions, which will cost you to lose friendships from business partners and employees who will lose their jobs. Don't be naive as to think you can keep on failing because failure takes up so much time and money to recover. She said, quote, fail as quickly as possible, and it's easier sold than done from my experience. Now, yes, I agree. Totally. You know, who wants to fucking fail? Nobody wants goes into this by, by wanting to fail. But I think there are different types of failure that you need to identify. Failure to learn, or what we called it in, in olden terms, I don't know if they still use it, is flurn, where you fail at something without costing so much money and you discover something that you might be able to pivot to is important. So if you fail and you still live to die another day and you get into a better situation and you discover something new about your startup or your, what you're trying to solve, then yes, keep doing it. But there are catastrophic failures that can make or break your startup. And I've had that so many times. And if you uh, want to see what those failures are, I actually have a, a link that you can post uh, on the 13 things that I, I learned after party file fails. So I can link that up. I, I think I've said that in, the, in, in this podcast so many times, right? That those things compound. Compounding little failures that if you don't pivot to it, it's like a death of a thousand cuts. 
So make sure that if you fail, you do the necessary adjustments and don't just sweep it under the rug. Because if you're a first-time entrepreneur, those can actually compound and kill you and fuck you up at the end of the day. Okay? And again, yeah, he's absolutely correct. Fail as quickly as possible. But the failures that you should celebrate are the ones that put you in a better spot. And that only happens when you take action to correct it. Sweep it under the rug, then that thing's still bleeding. Okay? Now, he also said, never yell at your employees. I understand that there will always be employees who have a bad attitude or a bad performance in work. It's normal to get pissed off at them. But learn how to channel your anger and frustration in a proper manner. Don't yell at them. Don't talk to them like normal human beings. And he said, they will respect you for talking to them about your frustrations instead of shouting like a child. There's always a proper way of releasing anger and frustrations and yelling isn't always the best solution. I totally agree. And till now, I'm still doing my best. I'm already 11 years into the startup game, but sometimes intensity gets the worst of me. And, you know, it's never good to yell at anyone. So if you can be calm and collected, people respect you for that. But again, for me, this is something that I still do because every once in a while, I do still snap out of the thing. But if you do end up yelling, you always have to take the high road and be the first one to apologize. Just because you're the founder, you're the boss, doesn't give you the right to actually get that done. Because it's never good to yell at anyone. So for me, I do my best to not uh, make the, the, the pain that I've caused worse. Because again, I'm just trying to get to a point sometimes. But first thing I try to do is when I do fuck up, I'm the first one to apologize to whoever I yelled at, regardless of their position in the company. Now, the last thing that he said, and lastly, and arguably the most important, and also this is a little controversial. This will actually convince me to create this type of format again. And also pay it forward, is that he said, lastly, and arguably the most important, the startup scene in the Philippines sucks. Most Filipino tech founders I've met leave the Philippines and go to first world countries like Singapore or the U.S. to get funding and launch their startup. The Philippines is not a good place to have a startup because the internet speed here sucks. People are still wary about online transactions and most prefer cash payments. Coding education in the PH is very left behind compared to coding education in other countries. I read once in an article that the PH is the fourth least startup-friendly country in the world. The only unicorn companies, billion-dollar valuation companies that I know in the Philippines are Expanse and Revolution Precrafted. But these companies are barely moving. You ever seen a homegrown Filipino startup to go big and expand into other countries? No, Lazada and Grab doesn't count. They're not 100% Filipino companies. See, you said wala kang masagot because there hasn't been a successful Filipino-grown tech startup like that yet okay now that that, that was a heavy uh that, that, that was that was intense actually and i want to dissect that in into parts right now to label the philippine startup scene as something that sucks yes there can be uh, a lot of improvements but to really label it as sucky or something that's a subpar also throws away the progress that I've seen this ecosystem go through. And I was there since the inception. Started out around 2012, 2013 with, you know, Roof Camp, Startup Weekend, with Kickstart and Idea Space, kicking out all these grassroots and in, in, in thing. 
we have come uh, so far in creating companies. And I can say that, yes, there are less funding here, but it's now changing with this new wave of startups that have been doing. There's more and more startups that are now raising millions and millions of dollars like Kumu, Paymongo, uh, the ones that have gotten to YC, like NextPay and whatnot. Those are now six-digit USD fundraises. We're in the golden age of Philippine startup ecosystem. What sucks is that there is a big chasm. When you say there's a big chasm, there's a big ass gap. So there's this new wave of Filipino founders who are now blazing that trail. And inevitably, these guys are going to be real unicorns. And there's the homegrown tech startups that's following behind. And what's lacking is a couple of things. First one, okay. So in the tech ecosystem, right, it's true that you have to go to Singapore to get the, the significant funding. But you don't have to go to Singapore if you're just trying to go angel or seed because you can actually raise that here. We've been able to do that. You just have to get the right connections and also get the, the right word out there. Now, you won't believe how many people are going to be willing to help you out if you just did your homework too. Now, the second thing he said is that coding is uh, not great. Now, let me drop a bomb here because the Philippines is actually one of the best coding countries in the world. But the problem is over 90% of engineers in the Philippines don't want to create product. What they do is they sell their services. And if when they sell their services to, to you know, big-ass corporations like you know, Accenture and whatnot, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade. I'm saying that. Why, if you're, a, if you're a dev and you're not from a well-off co- co- country, I mean, company or a family per se, you know, you, you want to get paid. In, in, in the dev industry, people get paid really fast, around 20 30% year on year. And startups cannot afford that. Now, a lot of devs, not not saying all, would obviously want that that stability. And they're just being practical. I can't blame them. But the ones that make product for a startup, the ones that are willing to sacrifice and get paid peanuts up front, like what I said, and just work on equity and delayed gratification, not a lot of them exist out there. Or maybe it's just lack of education too, or lack of awareness. And if you're a dev here listening to this, what we need are more product-centric devs that are willing to also risk it. So again, like uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he's a great dev, but he could have just gone and and went to a company and compensated well. But the best companies always have a strong engineering background and product background. Now, that's what we need to start educating the devs to start creating product, taking risks as entrepreneurs with their team. So whether it's a CEO, CTO, whatever, you just got to make products instead of just selling services as well. Now, not all devs are ready to code right away. What I suggest, and that's what's missing here, is that you want to be able to get enough skin in the game by working somewhere and build product. Don't get stuck in the rat race. It's hard to say because, you know, they be, people get paid well in the dev community. But if you have what it takes and you think that you can change the world with the, the product that you write or you code with, then you should be able to code as well. Uh, after getting the right experience in in corporate, right? Now, valuations, yes, we are not there yet. But in terms of Filipino startups going overseas, there are now people or, you know, like Caliber. Caliber is big here in the Philippines and Indonesia. And what's what's missing between those, those new wave and 
the the ones that again in the grassroots, and that's why we're creating this podcast to bridge that gap. Is perspective and ambition. The Kumus of the world, the Paymongos of the world, the Expedocs of the world have seen how by creating a startup locally, they can actually solve regional or global problems. Right from the get-go, they say they want to be able to solve a problem, not just found here. And it starts with that. Sometimes what limits us is our ability to actually look at the bigger picture from, from a regional, at least in a Southeast Asian scale. We only try to solve the problem that's found within our backyard. And that's what limits us. Because as an investor, you want to have a 10x multiple over your money. And the TAM, or the total addressable market in the Philippines, especially if you go niche, is just not big enough. It, this, there's not a lot of upside. So that's what we need to look at. You know, having that, that big ambition to solve it. So Kumu, global. Paymongo, country, regional. 100 million Filipinos. That's what they're trying to do. And that ambition is the number one key. Heck, in my own startup podcast network, this is the first time. This is my third try now. And this is the only time I actually had the balls to even like, hey, I'm going to fucking go Asia on this one. Because of the same motivation. No, no, Not a lot of Filipino startups actually go there. But now there's a new wave. And if they can do it, a lot of people are willing to actually fucking pay it forward and help you get there. Just in this year alone, three Filipino startups made it to Y Combinator. It's starting to change. Yes, we're not yet anywhere close to, to Singapore or our counterparts. But there are a lot of movements in the Philippine startup ecosystem. And even government, like the, the TBIs, the Technology Business Incubators, are doing a great job incubating. But my only challenge here is that we should dream bigger, be more ambitious. Because a lot of the people that fund these big ideas, sometimes it's not even about the business at all. It's the ambition. How ambitious are you trying to be? And at the end of the day, couple that by creating or assembling a million-dollar team, a spectacular team. That's what people fund. Let's shoot for the stars, right? And not just be limited by our own ecosystem that we're trying to solve. Now, lastly, he said that you might get mad at me and say that I'm a very negative person. But these are the things I've learned. I hope you learn something from this and push forward with your goals. If you're wondering how I'm doing right now, I co-founded a company again, restaurant business with my friends and not technology anymore. I'm implementing all the lessons I have learned and listed in this post. So far, we're doing good. We're earning stable revenue, but I would be lying if I said creating a startup business is easy because it's not. It's hard, but it's worth it. Absolutely fucking true. But guys, I always remember, again, coming from a failed startup entrepreneur, I didn't let that failure become the bookend. But it's easier said than done, of course, right? It hurt fucking six years of my life trying to do my first startup. But the most qualified startup founders to make it are the ones that have tasted their own blood, went six feet deep, and died with their startup. Because now you are the undertaker. You can go back and be the dead man and avenge yourself by creating the startup because you now have a playbook of what not to do as well. Now, for a first-time entrepreneur, don't worry. You don't have to die. Because one thing about the Philippine ecosystem as well now is that there's not enough role models. That's what's missing when we started out before. There were very, very few and scarce mentors and role models that actually understood 
what it took because again it's not a one size fits all you need to pick something from from someone about a certain aspect now there's enough of us or enough of these people that can walk you through the fuck ups that we have made before we're not going to show you what what can be done right but what we know what we fucking fucked up with right and this podcast hopefully helps you out in getting that done and again thank you so much by being on the very first edition of Ask Hustle Share. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or uh, YouTube and whatnot. And again, if we did say some jargon, don't forget that we do have show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if you want to be part of the community and, uh, and you know, asking all these new formats that we do, it's going to be a Hustle Share community on Facebook. And lastly, please follow us and, and chat with us if you have some suggestions. Or if you fucking hate this or you like it, please give me feedback. I need your help, y'all. So, Message us in the chatbot on me uh, slash hustle share powered by chatbot bitch. And again, thank you very much. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, 
Download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. <laughs> 